Merry Christmas, y'all. I don't know how you follow that. Uh, I think it's just as much fun to watch them as it is to listen to them. You know, one little girl got tired, so she just sat down. There was another one in the back you couldn't see. It was like breakdancing uh, away in a manger. It was, it was awesome. Um, well, I just wanted to uh, take a minute and to introduce you to a very close friend of mine, uh, Gary York, who's going to be the guest speaker this morning. And uh, Gary was actually my first boss right out of college. He uh, has been my mentor throughout my life and just a very close friend. Um, and, uh, you know, he's really taught me everything that I know. So if there's anything you don't like, it's pretty much his fault. So. Uh, but one thing that I have to say that you owe him a debt of gratitude for is that he kind of gave me my first shot at speaking to a really large audience. It was like speaking at his church of like there was like 1,500 people in the audience or something. And so I started speaking and I was so excited that they couldn't get me off stage. I just kept speaking and speaking and speaking. And I spoke for like an hour. It was like unbelievable. So I was excited about it. I thought, you know, it was great. So anyway, Gary pulls me into his office on Monday morning, and he goes, "Uh, Darren, he said, you know, what took you an hour to say, you could have said in 25 minutes, really. And he said, so from here on, let's just just trim that down a bit, because ain't nobody got time for that. But uh, yeah, so you can thank him for the fact that you actually get home in time for lunch and the Bears games and all that, so... Uh, anyway, I'm just very grateful. Uh, Gary's a very close friend, and I'm excited to have him. So please help me welcome Gary York. Well, I know at this particular moment I ought to jump right into this message that I have prepared. But I continue, and I just have to say this. I said it first hour, and, I, and, and I've got to say it this hour. I continue to be flabbergasted by the number of candles in this room. (laughs) There are like over 200 candles in this room. It's like the candle capital of the world right here at West. I bet Hobby Lobby loves it when you show up. (laughs) I swear. You must have a heck of a budget to replenish all those candles throughout the year. And how about all the instruments? What a day with the instruments. Um, Even some you hardly ever see. We used to call it a xylophone. You know, when you, what, yeah, whatever that is. An accordion. A dulcimer. You know what a dulcimer is? Do you? Some of you are going, no, I don't either. But that's what one looks like right over there. I know how it's played. I just don't know why it's called a dulcimer. Some kind of a stringed instrument. Well, enough of that. Several years ago... <clears throat> Following a Christmas Eve service at the church in Normal, Illinois, where I used to be the pastor, I told all the staff, you all take off, you got families with whom to have Christmas, and Janet and I, that'd be my wife, Janet and I are going to take time, we'll turn out all the lights and we'll secure all the doors and make sure everything is safe after everybody leaves. And so sure enough, they all took off. And so it had been a wonderful evening, several thousand people showed up for the Christmas Eve services, and it's late in the evening, and people, eventually, they all filed out, so Jan and I went around and turned off all the the lights and locked the doors, et cetera, and made our way to the car, and when we got in the car to drive out of the parking lot, she said to me, are you hungry? Well, it dawned on me that we hadn't had dinner, and it's late in the evening, 
And I said, yeah, I, I, I kind of am. And I continued to say, but you know, we don't have anything prepared at home. So maybe we, let's just go out and we'll get something. And she said, fine. So we took off. A few minutes, we hit Veterans Parkway, which is a big thoroughfare on the east side of Bloomington Normal. And we started down Veterans Parkway, and suddenly it dawned on me, we're like the only car in eight lanes. And I, I thought for a moment, maybe the rapture happened, and Jan and I didn't get to go. Well, we drove up and down the entire east side of town. Nothing's open other than one little, on College Avenue, one little tiny, like, walk-in restaurant called the Great Wall. It's a Chinese place. And so, sure enough, we got out, pulled in there, got out, walked in uh, this restaurant, and now there are only there are four people. Two people working there, and Janet and me, that's it. <laughs> so we walked up to the counter, and kind of sheepishly, we ordered some food. They packaged it up. We took it home to have... Christmas Eve dinner, Chinese. Well, every year since then, and it happened this past week, every year since then, as we get close to Christmas, Jana says to me, on Christmas Eve, want to have Chinese? (laughs) Now, I tell you that story because, to some degree, in one way or another, we probably all have a story like that. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes Christmas is not all it's cracked up to be. I mean, it's supposed to be a time of peace and joy and all those wonderful, wonderful things, but sometimes it's just one big disappointment. And after we'd had all those wonderful services and it came time for us to eat, suddenly there's nothing open and we're the only people out. It was like a bit of a disappointment. Well, the fact of the matter is, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, had some major disappointments, some major points of conflict as they tried to prepare for the night that Jesus was going to be born. Now, if you've walked your way through that story, you'll know at least the first part of that story appears in Luke chapter 1. If you happen to be somebody that brings your Bible and you'd like to turn, it to, to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 1, you've got an electronic Bible, whatever the case may be, uh, turn to Luke chapter 1 because what I want to do is take a few moments and walk our way through that story. Because there are some marvelous things in that story that remind us of how to find unexpected blessing in the middle of disappointment. How to find unprecedented joy in the middle of disappointment. Now, I want to pick up the story in verse 26. Check out Mary's joy. That's the first part of the story I want to note. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's birthday. By the way, do you know who Elizabeth is? The mother of John the Baptist. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Let me stop there for a moment. You know anything about Galilee? It's kind of a redneck part of the geographic area in Israel. I mean, people made fun of it, kind of like, we make fun of all those little towns, etc., in southern Illinois. Now, see, I can say that because I lived there. I don't now, but I lived there once, and my wife is from there. The fact of the matter is, a lot of people are from southern Illinois. Not very many people go into southern Illinois. <laughs> Galilee was kind of like that. Verse 27. So the angel came to a virgin named Mary 
she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will rule over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit came upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Don't, in the story, ever read past verse 37. If you don't learn anything else about this story regarding the parents of the baby Jesus, remember this, nothing is impossible with God. For instance, if God created the earth and he created the heavens and the universe in which the earth hangs, if God can part the waters of the ocean and he can part the waters of rivers, if he can raise people from the dead, the virgin birth's easy. Easy. Verse 38. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. I suspect at this point when the angel had spoken and they had this interaction and then the angel parted, Mary was kind of left standing there or sitting there with that deer in the headlights look. Like what in the world just happened? But there was an unexpected blessing, an unexpected joy beginning to build in her heart, even though she would have to explain a pregnancy outside of marriage. Now, that'd be easy in today's culture. It happens all the time. We don't think much about it. But in the day in which that happened to Mary, a teenager, a virgin, that could be a tragedy looking for a place to happen. I mean, that could demolish not only her life, but the people associated with her. In fact, it could even lead to her death. When you stop to think about it, after all of that happened, who was Mary going to tell? With whom is she going to share her blessing? Joseph? I don't think so. Her parents? They're never mentioned. Her friends? Hardly. So who is she going to share this with? I mean, this is an unbelievable announcement. And with whom is she going to share all of this joy? And if you note in this story, it appears that the only person with whom she can share this joy 
her Aunt Elizabeth lives 50 miles away, and she has to walk to get to her. I mean, that's like a three-day journey on foot. But that's the only person with whom she can share this joy. Now, that takes us to verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Stop right there for a moment. She hurried to the hill country of Judea? That's a three-day walk. After about five or ten minutes, I wouldn't be hurrying anymore. But she hurries to the, country of, to, to, the, to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house, and she greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, now she's six months pregnant, Elizabeth's child leaps within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. It's an incredible exchange. Two women, one who thought she was barren and now she's six months pregnant, one who's a virgin, not even married yet, going to be pregnant. They get together the only two people that can share this joy. I remember when my girls, I have two girls and a son. I remember when my girls announced their pregnancies to Janet and me, they tried to be real low-key about it. Mary was anything but low-key. She just had to walk 50 miles to share the joy. But my kids were real low-key about it. They came over to the house one day, and when we weren't looking, they left pictures of the sonogram. Amanda, our oldest, she put them in an envelope and she laid them on the chair where she knew sometime that day I'd sit. Jennifer, on the other hand, she came in, she put hers in a picture frame, put them on the counter among other things, thinking that after a while we'd notice it while she was there. Our son, well, that's another story, but the girls were real low. Darren, was our son, was anything but low-key. The girls were real low-key about it. Now, the point is, when we saw the pictures and realized what was happening, it was an incredible amount of joy that took place. I mean, we jumped around and celebrated and hugged and kissed and all that kind of stuff. Well, after that, we have the six of the greatest grandkids in the world. That all happened naturally. With Mary, it wasn't natural. But that's what happened between Mary and Elizabeth when they shared the news with each other. Verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. You know what happened during those three months? John the Baptist was born. And Mary was there to help Elizabeth with the birth. And they celebrated together a whole lot like family. And then Mary had to go home. When she returned to Nazareth, Joseph, her fiancé, did not share her joy. Now, to glean this part of the story, you've got to leave Luke 1 and you've got to go to Matthew chapter 1. 
There's the other half of the story. And in this passage, you see Joseph's disappointment. I mean, he shattered with the news. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how Joseph learned about Mary's pregnancy. I suspect, though, she went home and told him. But here's what we do know. When Joseph learned about this news, he was majorly disappointed in Mary. I mean, he felt betrayed. He felt like their engagement, which, by the way, was as binding as a marriage these days. And suddenly, that whole thing had been breached. He felt cheated. He was majorly upset. He looked at her. He originally believed she was a righteous person. That's why she had been selected to be his wife. And now he felt betrayed. Maybe he made a mistake about her character. Maybe those that chose her for him made a mistake about her character. That story she told him about the angel, in by that. I mean, who would be naive enough to believe that? And if his friends learned about this whole thing, that Mary was pregnant miraculously by a visit of the Holy Spirit, who's going to believe that? And if he went ahead and married her, his reputation would be demolished. I mean, they would be the talk of the town, negatively speaking. So what did he do? He decided that he would end the relationship. But here's something I want you to notice about how he did it. He did it maturely. He did it privately. Verse 19 of Matthew 1. Joseph decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace Mary publicly. What I want you to notice additionally is Joseph not only tried to do what was right, he tried to do it the right way. He didn't want to bring shame on Mary. He put her situation and her well-being ahead of his own. That's a huge lesson for us. A big reminder to us. I think what most of us would feel if we were cheated and we were, 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 were betrayed, we'd be angry. We'd be so angry we would want to seek revenge. We would do everything possible to protect ourselves. We would do everything possible to make ourselves look good, that person to look bad. Not Joseph. He was going to make sure he did the right thing for Mary. So, he contemplates the proceedings to carry out his decision. And in the process of, comp, of, 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 of um, thinking about and, and looking through the details of what he wanted to do in his way of figuring out the best steps to take so that Mary would not be injured through this whole thing, something miraculous happened to him. Verse 20, as he considered this, he fell asleep. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did 
what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He brought Mary home to be his wife. She remained a virgin until her son was born. And then Joseph named him Jesus. In the midst of all of that, suddenly there's an unexpected blessing. Unexpected joy. He never anticipated that was going to happen. He wasn't expecting that to happen. He wasn't looking for that to happen. He wasn't looking for a a visit from the angel of the Lord, like the one that, that, that appeared to Mary. But he had it. And suddenly, unexpected joy. Out of the bad circumstances came joy. Now, I look back over that story And there's a whole lot of applications in that story for us. Lots of them. But I I figured that I would narrow it down and let's just look at three. Three thoughts from this story I think we can really use. Not just at Christmas, but three thoughts we can really use. And here's the first one. Blessings come when you put the needs of others ahead of your own. Huge Huge lesson. Even though Joseph was deeply hurt, he did the right thing. He expressed himself in a way that was sensitive to Mary's need. He put her need, her situation, before his own. Verse 19 of Matthew 1 indicates clearly that he took a course of action that would not humiliate her, that would not disgrace her, The application is this. Have you ever been hurt by somebody just the past few days or the past few months and you're thinking about a way to get back at them? You're thinking about a way that you can disgrace them? You're thinking about a way to put all the hurt on them and none on yourself? The point is don't do it. That's what you're motivated to do. That's what we'd all like to do. That's what you do in our culture. But the choice here is don't do that. Instead, since it's Christmas time, why don't you find a card? Write a note in it and send the card to them and tell them you're praying for them. As difficult as that will be for you, it will amaze you at the goodness that will come to you, the joy that will come to you in unexpected ways. If you've been injured by a family member, instead of stewing about it, instead of fretting about it, letting an attitude of bitterness emerge in you, why don't you go to Panera, pick up a Panera gift card, send it to them or take it to them. And as hard as it is for you to say it, tell them you love them. If you do the right thing, eventually your emotions catch up to the right decision. Now, I have to admit to you, I'm not very good at that. But I can tell you that when I've done it, when I have put the needs of others ahead of my own, an unexpected blessing, an unexpected joy came to me, a sense of joy and contentment came to me that I'd never experienced And I'm suggesting that's what will happen to you. Here's another lesson. Blessing comes when you seek a genuine concurrence with God. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and gave him a special message from God. And from that time on, his attitude was different. He quickly moved from disappointment to blessing, from unhappiness to joy. So he moved away from a decision to divorce her. And instead, he brought her home to be his wife. The point is, nothing transforms your life like being on a first-name basis with God. I mean, when he's your deepest friend, when he's the person you can go to no matter what, he'll help you view every situation and every circumstance from an eternal perspective. And one of the things you can count on, if you do that, you'll find a moment in your life, regardless of the circumstances, you'll never be lost. You'll never be without counsel or wisdom. You will never be without direction. You will never be without perspective. You will never be without help. Not only does it bring you peace and confidence, it'll bring you blessing. And that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for blessing and joy in the midst of hardship. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, God rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's what he'll do for you. When you have this ongoing conversation with him regularly, he will provide a steady stream of help in ways you rarely see. Here's the last lesson. Blessing comes when you choose to obey God regardless of the circumstances. I mean, that's what Mary and Joseph did. Both of them, after they had this visit with the angel, both of them chose to obey, even though they were fearful, even though at first Joseph didn't want to do that. They both knew it was the right thing, and they obeyed. All right, now rethink through these experiences with these two people. Mary did not know that she was going to face the hardship of having to tell Joseph She was pregnant, and the baby was not his. And yet, she chose to obey and went through it all. Joseph, on the other hand, he had to wait nearly nine months until the baby was born before he and Mary consummated their marriage with sexual intimacy. Additionally, he had to raise a child that wasn't his. Additionally, in the middle of the night, He had to take Mary and the child and flee Bethlehem and go to Egypt to protect the child and to protect his wife. I mean, he had to take amazing measures in order to put them first. But that's what he did. You see, the real test of character in every situation is the constant effort to be obedient to the Lord. When it isn't easy, when it isn't convenient, when nobody's looking, when nobody notices... Be obedient. Why? Because it will bring unexpected blessing to your life in some way. I can't tell you what way it'll be. I can just tell you the Bible promises it'll be there. There will be some inner satisfaction, some blessing that comes from a genuine effort to be obedient to what God wants. Remember what Jesus said. You be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of eternal life. That's a blessing you can count on. You can take to the bank.
That Christmas Eve story I told you about at the beginning of this message about the Chinese food and the trip down Veterans Parkway and all of that. I revisit that because I want you to know at least one part of Christmas I really, really like and I look forward to Christmas Eve. I spend it with Janet, my wife. I look forward to that moment because in that moment, we talk about great blessings that God has brought to us. We talk about remembering our kids. We talk about remembering our spiritual journey. We talk about the blessings God has brought to our life over time. And then we remember these words. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Our Father, we ask today that you help us learn these lessons from Mary and Joseph. We know that we all look for unexpected blessing. We look for ways for it to come to us. We don't exactly know when or how. But help us to be understanding. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be thoughtful in this great holiday we celebrate this year called Christmas. Therein is the central figure of life, Jesus. Unto us is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen.